You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Humanize Me. This is kind of one of those special episodes that, you know, may not be of complete interest to everybody, but to those of you that are thinking about starting a community or missing a community or trying to figure out, like, what does it take to to make a community go? Um, I'm doing a whole series where we reflect on different things, and, and usually I'm doing them by myself, but today I'm going to share with you a conversation I had with my friend Morris Bird. And Morris is a unique guy. He's an ex-Mormon who a number of years ago started hosting gatherings for, initially it was just ex-Mormons and now it's ex-Scientologists, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses, ex-Evangelicals. Like he calls it an, his interfaithless um, gatherings. Um, and they're amazing. I went to visit one recently. Uh, I went to visit this picnic he held on the beach that drew many of them very recent recently deconverted people from all over the place from Utah from Arizona from from long like five hours away in Sacramento I mean just people came because he had advertised in all these weird places. He had, he had sort of put the word out via Facebook and on Reddit and all these other social media things I don't understand. Um, and they weren't people he knew. He didn't, I mean, he knew some of them. He, he has a gang that helps him put on these gatherings, but a lot of people RSVP'd and well, he'll, we'll get into that in the show, how he gets people there. But I went and it was just moving to me to see all these people who had never been able to speak openly about the transitions they had gone through and the price that it had cost them and the family issues they were dealing with and to see all these people just immediately connect with each other um, because Morris made it happen for them. And so I'm going to have a, what's coming up is a conversation and really it's a conversation with me talking to somebody who I think plays one of the most important roles in any new community. Um, or even in a gathering of people that might someday spawn a community. And that is somebody has to host this thing. Somebody has to create um, a sense of, somebody has to own it and say, this is my living room, even if it's not really their living room. Like, this is my space. Like, when you come in here, uh, I've thought ahead about how things are going to be. And I've set it, I'm setting a tone here. And if you step out of line, I'm going to ask you to, cease and desist, um, not in a bossy dictatorial way, but, but saying like, Hey, I'm in charge or, or at the very least, like I'm, I'm the facilitator. I'm making this happen. And one of the things I would encourage you is some of you are thinking, Hey, I want to start a community, but I've never been the focal point of a group discussion. I've never been that facilitator. And what I would say to you is, you know, that may be a good indication that you need a partner, that you need to be on the lookout for somebody who feels comfortable in that role and who has an ease with people. We all know that there are some people that just naturally people listen to or who have a good deft touch 
when it comes to knowing when to tell a joke and when to get serious and when to turn down the music and when to turn it up. And and there are people that that sort of develop that sixth sense either because they grew up in a family that was full of enter- people that entertained a lot or they worked in a setting where that was foisted upon them or, or just some people I just think maybe naturally they they see the room not only through their own eyes but through the eyes of other people and they kind of they, they, they have a weather eye to see what's going on and some of us are really amazing one-on-one or some of us are great like when we're in a conversation but we don't necessarily have, see what's going on on the other side of the room and we can't multitask that way and that is fine a community needs all kinds of people, but one person it needs to get it started, especially as the host. And Morris, I, I was out there and I'm like, man, this guy's a good host. I mean, he's he's got it, he's keeping a weather eye to when somebody new shows up to make sure that they're getting connected with. And and at one point I saw a conversation that seemed to me to get be getting where one person was dominating it, and maybe there were some other people trapped in that conversation, and he just sort of slid right in there and triangulated the conversation a little bit and sort of made it easier for some people to step out of that conversation without hurting the feelings of the person who was dominating it. And I just thought, man, you need one of those people. Um, there are some, some people that just have that gift. And I want to really encourage you that if you're not that person, Secular community building is hard enough. I mean, there's no tradition. You don't have like a church structure. Um, there's not a lot of resources there. It's hard enough to play that game when you're playing in position. It's almost impossible to do it when you're playing out of position. And you can end up being really disappointed um, and feeling bad about yourself like there's something wrong with you when there's nothing wrong with you except that you're playing the wrong role. And so... You know, I'll probably throughout these these special episodes, I'm going to talk about the different roles that people play in community. But today, we're talking about the host, and um, the host isn't necessarily even the person that sends out all the invitations, but they are the person, like the MC, they're the person who, when everyone's milling around, says, "Okay, everybody, it's time to get started." And even if they're not the speaker, they introduce the speaker. And even if they're not playing the music, they introduce the music. And even if they didn't cook the meal, they sort of go like, okay, it's time to line up for the meal. But there's this, there's this person that does that in a way that doesn't freak everybody else out or make everybody else feel like they're not important or like it's all about this person's personality. I mean, the interesting thing about a great host is, is it's like a great referee at a basketball game where when a, a great referee does their job, you don't even notice that they were there. You don't think about it, but but they facilitate it and they make it possible for everybody else to do their thing. And, and, and I think a great host often is not the life of the party and is not the person who tells the best stories and is not the person that delivers the most memorable message. But they're, they're, they're this crucial person that you go like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's true. I did, yeah, he did introduce me to this person. Or, oh yeah, that's right. When that was happening, like all of a sudden he turned out the lights um, or dimmed the lights in the back. And, or, or he was the guy that, that closed the door that shut out the ambient noise so that we could hear. Like there's this person that sort of is everywhere and never in the spotlight. 
And um, anyway, this is my conversation with Morris Bird, who I think is a host extraordinaire. Anyway, I hope you like it. So, so here's the thing, like, I just wanted to, I mean, like, I, guess, I think the main thing is, I, you know, I was at your picnic and I came away from your picnic with all sorts of thoughts. And uh, so I, 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 you know, normally when I do, the, I, like, I've been, I have this whole plan to do a series of shows about how to start your own community and different uh-huh. aspects of doing that. And one of the things I was just about to do a show about was hosting the role of the host. And then I came to your picnic and I was like, man, that guy did a great job of hosting. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and so I just wanted to talk to you like, like, you know, about it. And so like, I, I know in some ways, you know, it's, it's easy to like when you're talking to somebody with a microphone to think like it's an interview, but it's like for me, yeah. I, I just kind of want to talk to you about like what went on and, and what happened. I mean, that was the third one you've done, right? Uh, no, it's actually the, the seventh one I've done on the beach. Prior to that, I organized a number of meetups in like restaurants type things before that. But it was May 2014 was the first one I did on the beach. And since then, I've done two a year, one in May, one in September. So this is number seven. Oh, my gosh. This is really a thing. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of grew into a thing. And it's, it's one of those things where there's typically a, a period of time when I get done with one and I say, why am I doing this? And then is it worth the effort? And, and then for whatever reason thus far, I, I've always gotten the motivation to do it again. So what was the initial motivation? Like what got you started on this? So my initial motivation was after I personally left Mormonism in my head, um, a full calendar year went by and I had not met one other ex-Mormon in the flesh. And I, I was still attending church weekly with, with my wife and, and kids. And after a year, I, I said, this is crazy. I, I live in Los Angeles. There's got to be some other ex-Mormons around who would be interested in, in meeting with me because I would be interested in meeting with them. And so I went on to a few of the anonymous message boards that, were, that I was on at the time and said, hey, there's going to be a, a meetup at this restaurant this day, this time, RSVP, let's meet and let's have a good time. And about 12 people showed up. We met. We had a great time. And they all looked at me and said, that was a lot of fun, Morris. Let's do it again. You're in charge. And periodically over the next few years, I had other little get-togethers at restaurants, and numbers started to grow a little bit. And, and restaurants weren't ideal just because you end up sitting next to the same person the whole time. You don't get to go around and talk to a lot of people as easily. And so I, I wanted to find a, a, a better social atmosphere. And, and the beach made sense, and I thought, well, how can I convince people to go? I said, well, if I, if I make some ribs, maybe I'll get people to come for the food. Um, and that's what started to happen. And then I thought, well, well, you know, it, you know, yeah. I, I hate to interrupt you, but like you just said something I think is kind of brilliant and obvious that nobody thinks about. Like I, because I go to a lot of these, like when I get invited to speak at these um, Sunday assemblies or atheist meetings or whatever, 
Um, uh-huh. Afterwards, everyone will say, hey, we're all going to this restaurant. And as if it's going to be like, yeah. and you'll meet lots of people. But then you go to the restaurant and you watch and everybody just sits down at a, t- at a long table. And, and I know. Every- and, and it doesn't work. And like, you would think like at some point, somebody would go like, hey, we're all going to go to this restaurant and we're going to put all the tables and chairs to the side and we'll just eat standing up. But like, <laughs> you know, you would think that like people would know like, this isn't going to work. But no, it, it, it doesn't work. And I mean, I, I discovered that pretty early on. I mean, restaurants work, I think, for, you know, uh, two couples to go out and have a great time and, and meet each other and talk to people. You get more than like six people and, and forget it, I think. Yeah. You know, you end up stuck talking to the same person the whole time when you wish you could meet everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so deep. I mean, it's funny at our at our um, USC dinners where, where all the students will come, we we used to, the first time we did it, we had one big table and then we we're like, never do that again. And so now we have like all these eight top tables and, um, yeah. and, and, and what ends up being is, is, is there are two conversations at each table and like, and then the next week, the next time we do it, it's like sit with, other, sit with other people. But like, because it's a weekly thing, it doesn't matter that you see everybody every time, but there is this kind of recognition like, Hey, you're going to like, you're really going to be at dinner with four people. <laughs> that's all you're ever yeah. going to be at dinner with. Um, and so that's okay. So that was right. Okay. So then, so you're doing it at restaurants and you figure out like, Hey, maybe if I do it at the beach, it'll be, it'll be better for people. Yeah. People can talk more easy. It's, it's very non-threatening. It's wide open. You can arrive when you want, leave when you want. If, if you're trapped sitting next to someone, you don't, click with at a restaurant you're like oh my goodness i wish i wasn't in the conversation i wish there was a way i could gracefully talk to someone at the other end of the table that's difficult but at the beach it's easy you know um it's casual you know you can just walk over and talk to someone else and it's it's real easy just for people to move around it's, it's non-threatening and it's, it's wide open and there's no expectation for you to stay for any particular length of time um that's and so exa- I, and that's I exactly that that's exactly what happened. I mean, I watched that in the sense that I watched people moving around. I watched you moving around and it felt yeah. like, it felt like you would, you would check in on a circle and just sort of like, is this conversation okay? Like, is everybody okay here? And then you would just like, okay, everyone's okay. I move on. And then sometimes you would bring somebody from one circle to another or from one person to another and say, Hey, here's somebody I think you should meet. Yeah. I, I did that as much as I could. Um, for the most part, my role on Saturday and as typical of these events is introducing people who are there for the first time and helping connect some people who I, I think would click pretty well because often because of a similar background. And so, you know, there was a number of people there last Saturday that I'd never met before. It was the first time coming to, to this type of event. And, and in many cases, it was the first time coming to any type of event like this. And so people are understandably nervous. They don't know if they're going to fit in um, just because you've maybe conversed with people online and had good conversations that way. doesn't mean when you see them face to face, you're going to feel comfortable with them. And so, you know, people need someone to kind of break the ice a little bit. And so going around saying, this is so-and-so, this is their background. This is where they live and introducing people that way. 
is, is the best I've come up with for how to kind of break the ice for people and, and let the conversations happen naturally from there. You know, it's funny because I think when people talk to me about secular community building, one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of times people are trying to do it all by committee and they're like, well, we don't want yeah. any, we don't want any leaders, no leaders, you know, like, <laughs> that's, that was the problem from where we came from. And I always think to myself, man, when I'm new at something, the first thing I want to know is who's in charge, um, yeah. who's in control, who, who, who's protecting me from crazy people. And, and so, yeah. and, and so for me, like coming to your picnic, I, I, cause I, you know, Marty and I, you know, and we brought our friends, John and Melissa, like we, we don't go to like, we don't go to atheist things usually unless I'm speaking like, or like, our, uh -huh. you know, like I'm almost always the center of attention at these things. So I was laughing at your thing. I was going like, this is so weird for me. Cause like, I'm not the main, like <laughs> nobody's looking for me here. Nobody, like, yeah. I have no responsibility here, you know? And so, yeah. um, it was, yeah. it was fun. It was fun. But, but one of the things was as newbies, our, you know, like that was the thing. Like my first thought was like, where's Morris? What's he doing? Like who's in charge? And it, cre yeah. it creates a sense of security. And well, that's, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. And, you know, certainly I have a ton of help in doing this. I mean, there's probably three other people besides myself that are absolutely indispensable. Um, I, I'm not personally on Facebook. And so um, there's a, a girl who promotes the event on Facebook, which provides a lot of the people that come. And so without her, um, the event wouldn't come off nearly as well as it does. She does a ton of work. Um, and there was a, a gentleman who got to the beach at 6 a.m. that morning to secure the fire pits for us because the beach fills up really quick. And had he not been willing to get a hotel room Friday night and get up and get to the beach at 6 a.m., the event would not have come off nearly as well as it has, as it did. And, um, and the other gentleman who always brings the firewood is just adds so much to the atmosphere that, you know, without those people, the event wouldn't come off here as well. So <laughs> I'm certainly not a one man show. No, no, but, no. And that's, I, I think that's, but that would be my point is that it takes more than one person to create a community, but one of the roles, like there's the cook, there's the, you know, there's the setup person and, and, and stuff like that. Sometimes it's the same person, but oftentimes those are spread out, but somebody has to be the host. Some, yeah, I agree. Somebody has to actually say, hey, listen, I'm my job is to protect the tone of this thing is to make sure people yeah. are interacting like the DJ. My job is to make sure that, that people aren't dancing too fast or too slow, <laughs> that, that, that like, you know, that we bring it up, that we, you know, move it around and, and especially to, to to kind of enfold newcomers and make sure that they're not there for more than 30 seconds standing on the edge before somebody comes over and grabs them. Um, yeah. And I, I hope that doesn't happen. I, I know kind of as, as things started to really get going on Saturday, I know I missed a lot of people who showed up and I, I wasn't able to even introduce myself to everyone, sadly, but I, I did the best I could. But, and, do, you, know, but do you have other people, you, do, do you ever do something where you're like, you grab somebody, you know, and you say, Hey, would you go over and, and, and grab, you know, connect with those people? I I do typically um, with some of the other individuals I mentioned who helped out so much. 
Um, but I, I probably could do it much better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, so you advertise this thing and in a sense, this isn't a by personal invitation thing. This is you putting up a flag and saying, there's a bunch of X people. And like, it used to just be X Mormons, right? Yeah. Up until 2014. And so when you went to the beach, then you opened it up? Yeah, because when I went to the beach, I realized we got all this space and as much, much fun as us ex-Mormons are having commiserating, you know, I personally would love to hear from people from other backgrounds because I bet we have a ton in common that I don't even realize. And so, so why not reach out to everyone I can? And so that's, I started doing that in 2014. So then, then how did you change your advertising? Like, like, did you go to different Reddit posts? Yeah, I mean, I, I went to different websites. I mean, anonymous message boards for Jehovah's Witnesses instead of Mormons. You know, anonymous, you know, ex-Scientologist message boards. And, and then a, a, lot of, a lot of the different subreddits I, I visit as well. Reddit makes it pretty good because it's kind of one big community, so it's easier to go from, like, say, the ex-Christian to ex-Mormon because it looks the same and feels the same. Going from the anonymous Mormon message board to the anonymous Jehovah's Witness message board is really a much bigger jump, but um, but it's worked out. You know, it's 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 interesting because, of course, like an old guy like me, I would never like I've I have no idea how to use Reddit. Would never go there, and so <laughs> the weird thing is is that your 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 nerd factor's got to be a little bit higher. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And, you know, Reddit has a steep learning curve. I, I hate to even talk about it so much because I think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't get um, and probably for very good reason. And they may even be far better off not getting it. Um, so well, but no, it, it I, has been a good source of, of finding people. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is that, you know, I come from this ex-evangelical background. I, I mean, I, there probably are anonymous message boards for ex-evangelicals. I don't know. Um, it never occurred to me to be anonymous, um, as you might guess. Um, but, yeah. but, but the other thing is, is that, you know, I met a Scientologist at your picnic, an ex-Scientologist. And, and he had real fears that, like, he was being followed there or that, you know, that there would be consequences for him for being there. You know, like there's no evangelical church that's following anybody around. Like, and yeah, and, and I don't know if, it, and and I don't know if are the Mormons closer to the like are the Mormons that you know closer to evangelical or closer to Scientologists in terms of their amount of fear of being found out. Uh, I mean, there's a range, you know, of course, depending on the person and their family and their circumstances. I would say generally. Mormons who leave don't fear for their safety or being stalked like ex-Scientologists do often. But the the fear of, of rejection and the fear of of just being, you know, an outcast is, is very high. Yeah. Um, so I would say for Mormons, that's more of the fear. It's just being rejected and being an outcast and losing your family, possible divorce losing that kind of the esteem of your community and peers and, and that type of thing. But it's not typically a fear for personal safety or, or being followed around. So what was weird was this, I, I, you know, when I was coming away with Marty, we were talking about, is that a community? 
Like, is that guy building a community or is he providing a service? Like, is this a, almost like a, a, a coming out safe, a, a place to recognize that you're not alone, like, like that you have this experience of almost like going to a, con, it's like a miniature convention where you go, oh, I'm not the only underwater polka dancer in the world. <laughs> and, and, but then those people have to go back and they, and they still have to sort of fend for themselves for most of their lives because because I, I met almost nobody there that was actually part of a post post religious community like like that was part of a Sunday assembly or part of a oasis or part of a Unitarian Universalist church like most of those people were just on their own yeah that's that's how it, I mean I don't think it's necessarily a community I mean we, we meet twice a year that's, that's not a community that meets Twice a year. And there were people from beach. all over <laughs> creation there. I mean, there were people from out of state that had driven five hours or 10 hours to get to this thing. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty amazing. But I, but many of the people, I, I think it's, it can be a, a gateway to a community. I, I don't think it's necessarily a community in itself, but a number of the people there, you know, um, our families have gotten together on the weekends just to hang out by the pool and, and cook some food. We've had each other over for birthdays and, and things like that. So and those are real relationships, not just uh, I'll see you at the beach in six months kind of thing. So I, I think, you know, for people to kind of make a connection, uh, you know, to, to build real meaningful or I should say more meaningful relationships and a real sense of, of friendship and community. It's, it's a step to that, but it's, I wouldn't call it a community. No, by no, that, and and boy, and that's not a that's not a down that's not a bad thing. Like in some sense, yeah, you know, like it's interesting. I, I was I have a friend who doesn't really dig the Sunday assembly vibe, um, but but I still encourage them to go. And I said, for you, it's like a singles bar. Like it's, and I don't mean like for dating, but what I mean like it's a friendship bar in the sense of you go there and you you might meet other people there that they too aren't into the vibe, but this is the only place that they know where they can go meet people who are openly secular and excited about life. And I said, you know, you may end up being part of a book group with five people who you met there and you may never go back, but like it's where you connected. And so I think that to create, exactly. I think that for you to host a place of connection is... You know, it's not the same as a community, but it may spark a few communities. It may spark a few people to look for something more, you know, more regular or to connect with people and go like, hey, let's let's the five of us do something. Yeah, I hope so. That, that, that's my hope. So so what was interesting, too, is, I mean, I've never been in a place where people, more people walked up to me and said, hi, I'm Joe. I'm an ex Mormon and this is my story like people just were, I mean, do you know what I mean like it was just people were front and center with their deconversion stories that seemed to be like almost the uh, stock in trade of conversation oh yeah because I I think there's you know just a a sense of enjoyment and kind of swapping stories you know with with other people and kind of what you've been through I think it's a it's a, it's a healthy you know therapeutic kind of thing to you know, for me anyway, to, you know, to talk to um, that, that, the ex Jehovah's, excuse me, the ex Scientologist who you mentioned, you know, he and I have gotten together for dinner several times and it's, it's therapeutic to hear someone else went through a 
kind of in some ways a foreign experience, but in so many ways it just resonates. And you think, man, we just experienced the same thing with different, you know, names at the top of the pyramid and with different you know, terminology for some of the crap that they put us through. Yeah, yeah. And there were a lot of people that was the, that was the other thing. It's like there were a lot of people there that were definitely had been hurt. Um, oh, for sure. You know, whereas a lot of times the stuff that I, you know, the kind of people I'll pull in, there's not necessarily all people that got hurt. I mean, I'm one of those people that one of the reasons I'm so generous with um, Christians and so sort of good at helping people figure out how to talk to them is because like I didn't get hurt. So like I'm just trying to figure out like, well, what's going to work the best here and how can we be most helpful to these folks? Um, but I'm not dealing with a lot of personal trauma. But there were a lot of people there I met that that it you know, there was one guy I met, young guy that you introduced me to. And, you know, he was very frank about like, this is the first thing I've been to. And if my family finds out I'm here, they'll throw me out of the house. And if they throw me out of the house, I have nowhere else to live. And I just thought like, yeah. oh man, that guy's, he's just, he was in a lot of pain. And so do, yeah. do you come home sort of, have you, do you absorb a lot of pain when you're at that thing? No, I don't, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I mean, <laughs> it rolls off your back. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess I would say that, you know, for me, pain doesn't rub off. Uh, I would say hope rubs off. Um, I, I know that a lot of people come there in, in some degree of pain or who've experienced a lot of, you know, spiritual or religious trauma, I would say. But I, I view it as a, as a hopeful thing. And, you know, I think it's, it's far better to, you know, share that trauma with others who've been traumatized. And, and I, I, I hope it's a helpful thing for the people. And the, the young man that you mentioned, I, I hope when he went home that night that he felt a sense of, of hope and connection. And, and if, if right now his circumstances are such that he has to kind of stay hidden in the closet to, to protect himself, then... I, I hope that he has a sense of hope that maybe someday his circumstances will be different. Well, you know what was cool was, I, I mean, is I gave him my I gave him my card and he wrote me the net and I said like, dude, if you need to get out of there, call me. I've got I've got connections all over the all over the country, and so he said, yeah. He said I, I have a brother in this other city, and so he sent me an email and said, do you know anybody in that city? And I was like, yeah, I do. And like all of a sudden, like I'm trying to hook him up with an apartment. And a place where he can go to, you know, to to restart his life, and um, and so it, for him it was it was for 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 me it was great. It was like okay, here's oh, yeah. you know I'm I'm because you know I'm massively connected, and so I was like I can help you, kid. And I think for him it was like he was like, well, why is this old man trying to help me? And I was like, that's eh, kind of what I do, you know, like and and um, and and this is fun for me to sort of you know to sort of see people flourish. And anyway, so yeah, for him, I think being at that place of connection was a huge, you know, I mean, it was a huge gift to him. Yeah, but, that's, that's great to hear. Now, you know, one of the things here's, and here's something I did want to talk to you about. It's like, I don't know where, but at some point somebody sidled up to me and said something to the effect that we were talking and somebody said, you know, um, remember that some of the spouses here are still believers and Overall, the whole event, although people were being very open about their deconversion stories and talking about some of their 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 stuff, there it was not an anti-religious gathering. Like I didn't feel like there was this spirit of 
um, of sort of snark. And, and, and I wondered like, did you do something to engineer that? No. And I, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of conversations going on and my, my guess is a lot of them contain a, a fair amount of snark, um, which I mean, I think snark and humor and sarcasm is, is the way a lot of people deal with just kind of, you know, um, discussing their, their past religious experience. And, and I think, I, I think, you know, to an extent that that's good and healthy, you know, um, but yeah, but there's a, a few, a handful of, of people, very, I would say, charitable, good, courageous spouses who, to one degree or another, still identify as, as a believer in, um, you know, whatever religious background, who, who come to these events to support their spouse. I think that's a wonderful, beautiful thing, because I, I know several individuals who cannot come to these events because the to do so would cause more damage to their relationship than it's worth. But um, for those spouses who do come, you know, another good thing about... Is, is it hard? I mean, is it hard for them, those spouses? Do they have a rough time being there? Um, well, I can only speak for my own spouse who is, is a believer and who goes there. Um, I, I haven't talked to the other spouses or gotten feedback from other people as much. But what, one good thing about the beach is that sound doesn't travel very well. It's, it's fairly easy to have a private conversation with the waves crashing and the sounds and the wind. And so for, for my wife, um, she tends to stay, you know, just far enough out of earshot from conversations she doesn't want to hear. And, but you can still kind of be part of the event and, and have a lot of good conversations with a lot of people while avoiding the conversations you don't want to be a part of. Um, so that, that's, that's another good advantage of having it at, at that kind of setting. And, you know, so I've had seven of these now. My wife has probably been to four or five of them um, with our kids. And, you know, from time to time, there'll be something that is maybe a little more uh, offensive to her or that she didn't want to hear. And, but I think for the most part now, there's been there's a lot of of other people that she enjoys to see there and that she can talk with and that and that they're you know friends in many ways so i hope that that other spouses who were there who who were who believing i hope they experience the same thing yeah you know i, I sort of wonder you know I, and i don't know how you are with your wife in the sense of you know i know that you're not actively trying to undermine her you know, faith and sort of like, you're not in debate with her on a daily basis. Um, no, that, that was pretty evident. Um, but I don't know if like, do you, do you ever, ha do you secretly hope that like, she'll look around and see all these nice people and sort of that, that do, I, I, does it have, do you hope or does, do you think it does have any impact on her to see nice people living their lives on the other side of faith? Or do you go like, it only makes her more, like when when she sees us, she's like she just wants to go back to church. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that it has to have some sort of impact, however small. And even if that impact is just uh, a little more charity in her heart for for people who've you know gone through a kind of a faith transition and maybe an appreciation on some level of kind of the difficulties that that people in that situation face. But, you know, I, early on after I left Mormonism personally, 
you know, I was the ex-Mormon who wanted to talk about everything with her. And, and I was open from the very beginning. You know, when I first had the inkling of a question about Mormonism, I talked to her about it. And when I first had, you know, my first realized I had some doubts, I talked to her about my doubts. And when I first learned something that contradicted something I thought I knew before, I told her about it. And so uh, that I, I thought I was being open and transparent. Um, I, I learned probably much later than I should that she didn't really want me to be open and transparent about my faith transition. Um, she was comfortable in, in her beliefs and didn't, you know, feel the need to have those challenged by anyone. And so um, eventually I learned that, hey, you know, she's a unique individual on, on her own spiritual path, as am I, and you know, our paths don't have to align for us to have a loving marriage. And I should probably keep my mouth shut a lot more often if I want to have a loving marriage. So I, I think it took us a couple of years to adjust. Um, but for the last number, number of years, our relationship's gotten much better. And, and whatever her path is, I, I have no expectations. Uh, I, I think that if, if she lives the next 50 years, God willing, of, of her life, and and is a devout Mormon till the end, then I, I'm on board with that. I, I, I love her. I honor her. I, I want us to be together. And I, I, I believe that, you know, everyone has a sense of spiritual sovereignty, just as, just as I, you know, left Mormonism because it felt right to me. If, if she feels right to, to stay Mormon, then it's, that's fine with me. I mean, as, as but, much as I think Mormonism is false, I think that, by and large, there's a lot of people that live just as good of lives as me who believe in Mormonism or believe in, in a lot of other things. Yeah, so in yeah. terms of quality of life, you know, it's not the most important thing. Well, what was interesting to me was I talked to one woman there who said, or no, it was a guy there who said that when he deconverted from Mormonism, his wife left him because she, her understanding was is that her children's salvation depended on their father's status with God. And so she needed to get them to a better father figure. Like, like, did that, do you know what she was talking about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think, and, and that's a, a very defensible belief within Mormon doctrine and teaching. So that, that woman was not going off the rails to say, this is the consequences for my children if I stay in this marriage. Uh, and, and that's something I've talked to my wife about. And I say, because the doctrines of the church are what they are, and they're pretty clear. But um, I think to a, to a certain extent, everyone kind of picks and chooses which parts of their religion they really want to think about and, and, and live with and act upon. And thankfully, my, my wife hasn't decided to go find a righteous priesthood holder because I'm not one, I guess, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, well and, and okay, and that's helpful for me to understand because I was like, this, you know, yeah, you're right. Like there, different people go at it differently, even even within a religion. Like some of people say, to me, "Well, what does Christianity teach about this?" And I'm sort of like, "Well, which Christianity are we talking about? There are thousands of them." Exactly. <laughs> and and uh, and so so you know so it feels to me like you did an amazing job of 
creating a space for people and like the beach does like I can see that even when you talk about like the ability to move between conversations and also the ability not to have to hear a conversation that you don't want to hear um the other thing I noticed was is that there was room for kids and there were a lot of kids there and kids running around and of course you can do that at the beach um and 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 are you really open about like please bring kids like kids are fine Oh yeah. I, I think, I think hundred percent. Anytime anyone asks, I say, yes, bring the kids. There'll be other kids there. Have a good time. Let them swim in the ocean, play in the sand, you know, just make it, make it a beach day for your family and enjoy the conversation and the food while you're there. But, you know, I thought that the kids added something. And so often when I go to these gatherings where people are going to like these post-Christian gatherings, the kids are sequestered or they're left at home. And I thought like, you know, if you're trying to make people feel comfortable um, and if you're also trying to make sure that the tone is good, kids are beautiful. Kids. And, oh, for sure. You know, and, and so, yeah. And, and go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I think with, I think with the kids, you know, um, uh, many people there I know are, they wouldn't be able to come if they couldn't bring their kids because they don't have anywhere to drop their kids off. And, and so, uh, bringing kids there, I, I mean, I, I'm really, you know, kind of proud of the fact that I think we had, you know, a good number of people who were ages probably like four or five up to, you know, retired age. And so there was, a, I, thought, I thought, a good healthy mix of, of ages and, and people. I think that just, I think that adds to the event and makes it a little less homogenous. Have you ever had a problem? Like, has, there, has, has anything gone wrong at that thing? Um, thankfully, not very often. Um, at the very early on, and actually, this was back when I was having these at restaurants before the beach, but after one of the events, uh, a woman came to me and said, a, a guy who was there, I've known in the past, I, I avoided talking to him because he's you know, a creepy guy, he's kind of stalker-ish, and, and she just didn't want anything to do with the guy and said he's bad news. And so... Um, when the next event rolled around, the this guy RSVP'd for it, and and I just told him he wasn't welcome. I very directly said, "You're not welcome at these events. You know, never RSVP again. You know, you'll be asked to leave if you show up, and you'll be forced to leave if you don't cooperate." You know, I, I drew a very hard line in the sand with this guy, um, just to maintain a sense of safety for everyone. Um, so that's really the only time I've had to come down hard on somebody. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing you had good inf good Intel, you know, that, you know, to know that this is the woman, trust the woman in this case. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, but I think a lot um, of time, a lot of times that's an issue where I, I found that there are people that sort of, Oh, there's a gathering. That's a place, for, you know, that's a place for me to go. Cause, I creep people out and, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they're almost looking for fresh ground to creep people out. And so, yeah, you, well, there's, there's you, you got to be protective. Yeah, for sure. And in, in that case, I, I got a kind of a weird vibe from the guy when he was there the first time. And so when I heard that about him, it, it seemed to make sense to me. And, and when I confronted him about it and, and he didn't try and defend himself or, or try and say, you got me all wrong or anything. He just kind of, went away quickly. Um, anyway, so I, I feel like the right thing was done there. 
but in, another thing I do be, because oftentimes I'm on these anonymous websites where people are RSVPing, you know, if someone RSVPs and I, I haven't met them before, I always go through their kind of account history and kind of see the other comments they've made on, 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 on Reddit or whatever else, and just kind of see their overall tone of, of how they conduct themselves online anonymously. And so, um, and in the times when there's like a, maybe a, a, it's happened a couple of times, but every now and then I'll get an RSVP and it's like a brand new account that just registered and they don't have any kind of comment history except contacting me to say, Hey, I want to come. And in that case, if that happens, I, I always kind of message the person back and say, Hey, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, what's your background? Where are you from? You know, how'd you find this website? Um, just so I can have a conversation with them, uh, before, um, letting yeah. them come to the event. Yeah. You're guarding, you're guarding your safe space. Yeah. And, and the other thing I do is that the, the, the beach that we always have it at is three miles long. And so, and we never tell the lifeguard tower out publicly, only the people that RSVP, I kind of text them the morning of and tell them where we're at. Cause otherwise, just in case, you know, there's some weirdo out there who wants to kind of try and come crash our party. They'll have a much harder, they won't be able to find us on a three mile beach if they don't know what lifeguard tower we're at. So that's one way of keeping it safe. I noticed well. that. And that made sense to me too, because the, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be somebody like angry. It could just be like some proselytizing person is like, I think I can go and really minister to these people. Um, exactly. Like, oh yeah. Wow. You know, I'm so grateful that you shared that part about, you know, checking people out and things, because I think that I think what you're doing is really beautiful. And, you know, like, and it was funny because my wife and my friends eventually had to drag me away. And like, I'm probably, I like, you know, you know me, like I'm, I'm a pastoral caregiver. So like I'm walking around there yeah. and I just wanted to love everybody and listen. And at, you know, I, I was trying to help everybody, you know, what do you, have you read this? Do you know that? And it's just, my wife was like, you suck at a party, um, you know, because you're just being, a, you know, you're being a caregiver. And, you know, and, and I said, yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to go to the next one of these by myself so that I don't have to worry about it. Like, so that I can just spend my time being, you know, and, 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 and that may be creepy in its own way, but, um, but I just felt like there were so many people there that, that this was their first contact and they didn't know that there were websites or podcasts and they didn't know that there were, you know, they hadn't thought about finding community. But, but the one thing I did think Morris was, I was like, this is not a community. This is a safe space for people to connect. And I was like, that's why it makes sense to advertise and to put up a flag and to like, you know, to reach out to strangers. Like I thought that was beautiful. Whereas when a lot of times what I tell people is if you're going to try to start a local community, don't advertise, like start with a core group of friends and have them bring other friends and like bring people in naturally one, you know, one at a time. Like you don't want to be inundated with a bunch of newbies all at once. You want to, you want to, you want to, in a sense, um, incorporate people, you know, one at the time or two at the time so that you can, you can really focus attention on them and, and, and they're not likely to just be standing around with a bunch of other strangers and nobody knows anybody. Um, but your thing seemed to me to be a perfect thing to advertise for 
or, or like in that wise way, but like to let, to, to just say like, come on out, here's where we're going to be. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of work to get the word out. I mean, it, it's posting on several different places. It's, you know, when, when people kind of RSVP, it's following up with them. It's, you know, trying to connect with them beforehand. It's reminding them. And, you know, of course there's always a few more RSVPs than people that can actually make it in the end. So, um, is, is, and so a lot of people there have been to several events and are very comfortable and, and have a, a really good sense of, of, of how to kind of welcome and involve people who are there for the first time. But um, fortunately, I don't think we've had a problem to where there's been so many new people that there's just a lot of people that aren't comfortable yet. Um, so it's, it's, it's grown slow. This, this was probably the biggest one we've done. How many people uh, do you I, think were there? How many people do you think showed you know, up? My guess is around 75, maybe a little more when, with all the little kids added in. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of my guess. Um, and in the past, it's been usually around like, you know, say 50 to 60. And so this was more than that. Um, but I, I, I think it worked well. And, and, and who pays for the food? Uh, I pay for the food. I, I go buy the food and I say, you know, my, my pocket is a tip jar. So I want to thank the cook. And uh, sometimes I come out a few bucks ahead and sometimes I come out a few bucks behind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I mean, to try and, I mean, when you calculate all the work into, you know, promoting the event, organizing the event, buying the food, um, you know, um, cooking the food, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work. But um, it, it's certainly not a, um, uh, certainly not a fundraiser for me. It's it's a fun spender, you know, far more than it's a fundraiser. Well, um, it, so it, it was very clear to me that it was it's a labor of love. That there's a sense in yeah. which you know that there are people out there that need to connect, and and you make space for them. And yeah, and I I just like I just have to tell you like it was inspiring to me. And I did. I mean, I what's I mean the one the one thing I like I will show up again without my without my uh, my my more introverted friends, um, you know, just because it was a joy to me to connect with people. And I do feel like it wasn't a bad thing to have somebody there who's been out of the game a little bit longer, and who's already gotten on with having a really fun life. Like some of the conversations I was talking with people, and 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 I said, well. Well, if there was something like this, would you go? And they were like, oh my gosh, I would totally go to something like, you know, that as I put forth the idea of like, have you ever thought about being part of a community? Because they were all saying how much they missed being part of the community. And I was like, well, have you ever thought about starting a community? And they're like, nah, does anybody do that? And, and, you know, so I felt like it was just a wonderful, fertile place to meet people and sort of spark ideas. And, um, and so I just, you know, I just thought it was, it was a gift. I mean, it was a gift to a lot of the people that there. It was a gift to me um, just to be able yeah, to well, go. And, and so, yeah, so thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. It, it's, it's funny. When I'm, when I'm promoting these events, oftentimes people will respond and say, oh, I wish there was one of these in, you know, Chicago. I wish there was one of these in, you know, Seattle or whatever. And, and then I always go back and say, start one. There wasn't one in L.A. that I found until I did it. And we're on the same website and we can find a place in our town. That's a good place to have an event and promote it. But you know, um, 
Well, I mean, no, it's, but, it's, it's but, funny. Like, I hope there's somebody in Chicago listening because, like, there's a beach in Chicago. Like, yeah, of course, you could do this in Chicago. I mean, what's funny is you could do this in Chicago. You could only do it. You couldn't do it twice a year. You could only do it once a year because you couldn't go to the beach in the winter. I know. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, this this is great. Thank you so much for like just come. You know being up being up taking the time to talk with me i mean this is really helpful and then like you and i like we'll connect again because i'm i i've got ideas on top of ideas these days and um i'm I'm just it was just really fun for me to see somebody else doing it you know really yeah really doing it um and 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 you know i i always say to people like yeah it's a lot of work but it's not rocket science it's not it's not like it's that complicated yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, if you can figure out how to sign up for Facebook or Reddit or any other, you know, one of those kind of websites, and if you can figure out how to post anything, you can figure out how to post an event and plan it. So. Yeah. All right, baby. I w- you have a wonderful day. I will catch up Thank to you. Thank you, Bart. Thanks, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Have Bye. a good day. All right. So that was me and Morris Bird. And uh, if you want to get in touch with Morris about what he's doing or about doing it where you are, or, like I'm going to put Morris's email on my website. You can write to, or you can write to me. You can go to bartcampola.org and send something to me and I'll connect you with Morris. Like I don't, I don't want to kind of overexpose him, but I, I definitely want you to be able to reach him if you want to reach him because he's wonderful as I hope you gathered. All right. And, and listen, I'll catch you next time. We'll get back to regular podcasts. We'll, we'll do these bonus episodes every now and again, and uh, we'll keep the ball rolling. All right, barcampola.org. You know where to find me. Bye. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit barcampolo.org.